0: doing? it keeping warm? How many love this cold weather? I know. Oh, see, look, at. there's some true Arizonians here. We love our heat, don't we? So good to see all of you. I see some new faces and some friends that are here today, and I'm just glad that you're here. I have to give a big honor to my mom and dad who are here. Could I get you two to stand really quick? This, these are the founders of Faith Builders Church and the... Apostles of Faith Builders Church, and they're my parents. Imagine being raised in a home with uh, gifted, anointed parents. You don't get away with nothing. Nothing. They hear from God too much, and, uh, but I'm thankful for that. So I'm just so honored they're here today, and we have news that they, are, they have relocated back to Arizona. So we say welcome home to them. And uh, you'll see them coming and going and preaching here and there. And they are the apostles of our church and the overseers of faith builders. And there are three faith builders in, in the, um, America, United States, I don't know what I'm trying to say, on earth. <laughs> I don't know, they're here somewhere. I went to them. <laughs> But uh, there's two in the Midwest, one here. Uh, they were part of uh, planting those. Well, they planted them, sent my brother out to Milwaukee, and then they planted here in Arizona. And then I inherited this amazing church. And uh, so we're just honored to have their apostolic covering. It's always been here, but they're actually here in person. And I believe that's significant for such a time as that. Amen? Such a time as this. So I'm so glad you're here. We are on part two of uh, we're, we're learning about the heart of the house. And And uh, last week I taught, I think, a really good message. I don't know. I'll just pat myself on the back. Us preachers, we think very highly of ourselves. But uh, I encourage you to go listen to it because it is a word from God that the Lord gave me for his house, what he's looking for in this hour of his house. Because how many know we're living in a different time in the kingdom than we've lived in before? The winds have changed. The Holy Spirit is moving in a beautiful and a powerful way. And the things that we used to get away with, we're not going to get away with anymore. I know. I promise you, this is a feel-good message today. I promise you, it really is. But how many are thankful for that? I'm glad the church is changing. I'm tired of this, you know, religious organization that we've set up. I really want a place for the Holy Spirit to move with His power and with His might. And so, um, the Lord said, there's four things I want in my house, and He brought the Ark of the Covenant to me. and, And that's where we started last week, and the first thing we talked about is He wants His presence in His house. And not just worship, but he wants true worship in his house. And I believe that is coming. And the second thing the Lord said, I want in my house, which was in the Ark of the Covenant, was the Ten Commandments. And that resembles the obedience that we need to have to God and a loyalty to God. And know, this grace message just sweeped across America and the world, and it really polluted this obedient spirit that we're supposed to have to God. Amen? God has called us to be obedient, and so I just encourage you, listen to that message last week because it'll really set us up for where we're going today. And we're going to finish this message in Jesus' name we're going to get to both parts. So we're going to go to the uh, second item that's in the Ark of the Covenant. We talked about the Ten Commandments was in the Ark. The Ark is the presence of God. The second one is going to be on the rod. And I'm gonna it's going to be about Aaron's rod. And we're going to really go into detail about Aaron's particular rod in the Ark of the Covenant. But I really felt like we should go back and really talk about what the rod represents so that you can get a revelation of walking in what this truth is. Amen? So Aaron was the first high priest that was established by God. And then we see high priests that follow after that. He was the founder and the ancestor of the Israelite priesthood. And so when you think of Aaron's rod, we think of the miraculous. Everywhere you see in scripture, whenever they use the rod, the miraculous happened. The supernatural happened. So I believe in this hour that we're moving in the church, God is looking for the miraculous. He just doesn't want a happy, clappy church. And there's there's we can have fun in church, but God wants to see blind eyes open. He wants to see the lame walk. He wants demons to come out of people. He wants addictions to be set free. He wants the miraculous brought back into his house. And so when you think of Aaron's rod, it represents the miraculous, and it actually represents more. So let's look at um, Exodus verse chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 8. And it says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Okay, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show a miracle for yourself, then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod. Say your rod. rod. He told Aaron, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. Now, if you stop and think about that, we know this story, but to them, this has never happened before. They've never seen the rod turn into a serpent. And so in his mind, or maybe in their mind, that seems like a ridiculous instruction. How many know when God wants you to step into the miraculous, the wonders of God, it seems ridiculous? How can your body be healed of cancer? That seems ridiculous. How can your marriage be restored when it's been broken and torn apart, torn apart through disloyalty or whatever? It seems ridiculous. How can your resources come in when, when the well's dried up and your ability to pay your bills? It seems ridiculous. But God has given you the your rod. Say, my rod. You have a rod for the miraculous in your life. And it became a serpent. That seemed crazy. But in verse 10, so Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh, and they did so just as a Lord commanded. We talked about obedience last week. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants, and it became a serpent. How many know that's a wonder of God? That's the supernatural. But if you keep going on, that rod moved in the miraculous, it says in verse 14, but Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner. So let's look at this. How did they do it? With their enchantments. What do we see in the world today? This generation, the young generation, they are seeking after sorcery. They're searching after witchcraft and and divination, and they want to see the supernatural. If you turn on Netflix, everything is the supernatural. Everything is about magic and witchcraft. And we see here, according to Scripture, there is a demonstration of the miraculous or a miracle demonstration of the enemy. There's a counterfeit demonstration. Listen, the enemy can perform his witches and wonders here on earth. But something I want you to see here is that when Aaron threw down his rod, He threw down his rod, which also represents authority. He threw down his rod in his authority. They threw down their rods with their enchantments and their witchcraft. It's a false illusion of God's miraculous power. Right, So I want you to see that. So every man threw down his rod, and they became serpents. Right, The same miracle seemed to happen. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. That is the miraculous power of God. So what we see here is that the magicians threw down their rods with enchantments. So how does that represent us today? When you get the bad report of disease in your body, that's the rod of the world. And so the rod of God, though, the authority of God's word will eat up the the enchantment of the enemy. And the word of God says that no sickness nor disease shall come nigh my dwelling. That's the authority of God's rod, right? So there may be a natural circumstance, but your rod of authority will eat up every circumstance of the world. Amen? If there's fear and failure that's overtaking your life, and that's very real today, we have fear today. You know, the economy that we're living in, we're living in a crazy time. I told my parents, I feel like we're living in a Bible story. Like if there was a Bible to come after us, we would definitely be in there. And how many know we win in the end because we see victory with God in the end? And so fear and failure comes, and and that serpent is laid down, and, and it manifests in our life. But the Word of God says, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world see you have the true authority of God and the authority of God will always devour the enemy but so many of us look at the circumstances we look at the manifestations that's in our life and we think that's truth and God says I've given you the rod right mental illness anxiety comes in our life and it's real and it overwhelms us and wants to attack us but God says I've given you the mind of Christ He says, I've given you, you can renew your mind to the word of God, your rod of authority. Resources run low. We don't know how we're gonna pay the bills. God says, if you'll take care of my house, I'll take care of yours. If you give, it'll be given back to you with good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, amen? He said, if you tithe, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing you can't contain. The lack of resources is there, but the rod of authority says what the word of God has to say. Shut doors may be happening in your life. Nothing seems to be happening. The Bible says that favor surrounds you as with a shield. You're blessed coming in and blessed going out. You need to see the rod of authority in your life. That whatever's trying to overtake you in the ark of the covenant is the rod of the miraculous. How many are so thankful for that? So let's continue. Let's look on. Let's go back to when Aaron first got his rod. So we're going to go back a couple chapters. It says in Exodus 4, verse 20, Then Moses took his wife and his sons and set them up on a donkey. And he returned to the land of Egypt. Now look at this. And Moses took what? The rod of God in his hand. Listen, when you have the rod, it's really the rod of God. You've been given the authority of God in your life. You are not moving in the miraculous by your own authority. You are moving it by the authority of God in you. The miracle of your marriage is God's authority, amen? The miracle in your resources belongs to God. But with God's authority, he had to do something with it. He said, Moses took the rod of God and did what? Put it in his hand, you got to take the rod of authority and put it in your hand. The rod of authority may be sitting on your dresser somewhere, in a drawer somewhere, maybe on your iPhone, but that word is not living until you put it in your hand and begin to activate the authority of God through you by the power given you. Well, why isn't it working in my life? Probably because you haven't put the rod in your hands. Some of us want to lean on somebody else's rod. Can I borrow that rod? Can I can I hold can you hold that rod with me? And we get through the prayer line, and that's all good. There's nothing wrong with having prayer partners. But God says in this hour, you better know your authority. You better have your rod in your hand. You better know the authority of God living in you because the devil's gonna knock on your door at midnight and Pastor Barb ain't gonna be there to help you. Your prayer partner ain't going to be there to help you. When a bad report comes, you better have that rod of God in your hand. What does hand mean? I'm the, I like to dig. I, that, that, I need to see what that word means. And if you look at the word means it, the word means hand, it says, by which a work is accomplished. The miracle is accomplished through your hand, through the power of God. Strength and power is in the rod. But listen, it means coming under authority. Whose authority? God. It's his rod that he put in Aaron's hand. The miracle was from God put in his hand. The same miracles from God put in your hand. Verse 21, and the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in your hands. What does he say? It's time for you do you to do the wonders before Pharaoh, which is the world and the enemy. Listen, the world needs to see the true church arise. The world needs to see the power and the wonders of his church and of his bride and of his people. He said, what have I done? I put it in your hand. Say, the miracle, the miracle. is in my hand. God has given you the rod of the wonders of heaven I want to share one more example before we get into the actual rod and the Ark of the Covenant. But this is the story of David and Goliath, and we've learned this probably since we were in first grade, if you've been going to church long enough, right? We know the story. He picked five smooth stones and put them in his bag. How many know that was a miracle that he took down Goliath? And the one spot that he could hit was that one little spot on on his forehead, and and he prophesied to that thing, and that that stone flew, and and he took Goliath down. And we know that portion of the story. But when I was studying this, I went back just one little line, and in verse 40 it says that... Then he, David, took his staff or rod in his hand. The miracle of the stone was because he had the rod of authority still in his hand. Now, we know he prophesied to that stone, but he had the authority. He knew his God. He took the rod, and he prophesied through his own mouth that this day you're going to come down, and I'm going to cut your head off, and I'm going to drag it through the city for the victory of God. The rod was in his hand. So I want you to look at this. In, In the Ark of the Covenant we see that Aaron's rod ended up in the Ark of the Covenant. So let's talk, how did it get there? In Numbers chapter 17, God said to Moses, I want you to take a rod from every father's house, which was the tribes of Israel. And he said, write each name of the leader of that house on the top of that rod. And then he said, tell, Moses said, I'm going to write the name of Levi, I'm I'm sorry, on the rod of Levi, I'm going to write Aaron's name on it. Okay, are we all there? All the leaders had a rod. They were bringing them. In verse 4, it says, place them in the tabernacle of meeting, which was the house of God. So take all the rods, place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony, which was his presence. And I will meet you there, he said. Whichever rod blossoms by morning, I have chosen to take away the approach off of Moses from picking a tribe. So he says, when, I, when you put the rods together, put them in my presence, and the one that blossoms and buds and blooms, that's the tribe that I have chosen. So this is where we're at. Let's look at the next verse. So what does Moses do? Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness, the house of God. And it came to pass on the next day, say the next day. That Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted, put forth buds, had produced blossoms, and yielded ripe almonds. Now, what you need to see here is the tribe of Levi then was chosen to take care of God's house. They picked up the tabernacle, they carried it, they put it back together, they killed people that tried to get, they guarded the tabernacle, they were the ones in charge, and it was this rod that in one night went into full blossom. Now, if you look at the almond tree, and you begin to study how long it takes for an almond tree to produce ripe almonds, it would take anywhere from 5 to 12 years to produce ripe almonds, But in this moment in his house, he said, what would normally take 12 years, I'm going to do suddenly. I'm going to do overnight. And I believe the miracles that are entering into God's house and in this season of the church, what normally would take a long time. How many know we don't have time? We don't have time to try to do the right thing. We need the power of God to show up in some suddenly miracles. We need his church to be blessed. We need the people of God to rise up. We need a righteous and a favor back into the house of God we need an overnight miracle to happen in our life we need some suddenlies you bring one person in in a wheelchair in here and you know that they are lame and they get up running and leaping and praising God suddenly this church will blow up suddenly you see somebody with, with uh, tumors falling off at the altars. Tell me this church won't blow up. That suddenly, what does God want in his house? Miracles. He wants wonders back in his house. Why do we gather for his presence, for obedience, and for miracles? We want miracles. You look at the word "amen." Oh, no, no, no. Okay, let me go. Jeremiah 1. Took me to Jeremiah one eleven. Moreover, the word of the Lord saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? This is so important that the church sees what God sees in this hour. We have to have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say in this hour. It isn't good old church anymore. And we'll have programs and we'll do all of that. But when God shows up, it's gonna be a supernatural. Do you see what God's about to do? Do you see it? And he said, what do you see? And he said, I see a branch of an almond tree. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. How many are ready for God to perform his word in your life? We need resources back. We need our fire back. We need our passion back. We need marriages restored. We need people healed and delivered and set free like never before. You look at that word almond and it means this it means watching diligently for an opportunity to bloom. Listen, it means waker. I believe the word, and I know my dad and mom believe this too. The word is not just revival, we need an awakening. It is time to awake, church. We have got to see and know what God is doing in this hour. It's not just a building program for a church anymore. It is an awakening for a move of God across this nation. He said, I'm ready. God's waiting. He's hastening. He's alert. He's sleepless. God is waking for his church to see what he sees. It's a powerful thing, amen? So God wants wonders. What's a wonder? It is um, what's impossible to do with man. That's the wonders of God. All right, last one. We're going to talk about the gold jar of manna. Are you ready? All right. So the final item that was it's in the Ark of the Covenant is called the gold jar of manna. And as the story goes, God said, I'm going to show you that I can sustain you. When he took him through the wilderness, he said, I'm going to show you that I am God And I can sustain you. So he said, I'm going to give you manna by day. And we'll read this in a second. I'm going to give you manna by day. And I only want you to take what I say to take. And I don't want you to hoard up for yourself. But I want you to trust me. And how many know that first manna, they're probably like, shoot, is God really going to show up tomorrow? Has anybody felt that way before? Like, man, I kind of want to take things into my own hand. And God's like, I want to show you I am the God that sustained you in all things. Only take. And God did that. He gave them manna by day. He gave them quails by night. And he supernaturally sustained them. And so we get to this portion of, of the story of, of the manna. So I want to show you this. There's three things the Lord showed me about manna. Quickly, the first two. Number one, I believe Manna represents in his house, he wants the message of salvation. Thank you, Mom. She's like, breathe, baby girl, breathe. I do. I feel like a locomotion. I'm like, whoosh, 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 whoosh. <laughs> Climbing this mountain. That's a word from Mama. I'll take it. So the message of salvation And where that comes from is the root word of manna means this. It's a substance exuded by the tamarisk tree. I didn't know this so I was studying it. It's the tamarisk tree. The tamarisk tree means this. It represents everlasting and eternal life. God wants salvation in his house. And you're like, well, we do that all the time here. Yes, we do. And thank God we always will. But you know how many churches don't? Or we give this saved by hell, saved by grace, not going to hell by fire message, whatever that is. And we don't have the accountability of making him Lord, and you know we teach that here. We teach true repentance and and laying down our life, and our life is not our own. God wants that message because there's too many people who said a prayer that are out there wandering, thinking they're okay. And it's our responsibility of the church to give them the tamarisk tree that represents eternal life, dying to yourself, laying down your will to the Father, amen? In Genesis 21, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree, and he refers to that tree as Elolam, everlasting, eternal. And that's where that come from, comes from. The second one is this. It gives spiritual nourishment. We know manna represents God's word, amen? God wants us to have fresh word every day. I have some really awesome journals, and they go back many years. And God gave me great words and great moments in the kingdom. I have some awesome ministry time. And God's like, but that's old manna. He said, you're trying to store that up for today, and that's ter- it turned to worms. It rotted. It, it was not- anything you try to store up for your flesh, it rots away. Because God says, I'm going to be your sustainer. I will be the word that will give you life. Now, I want to share with you a revelation that the Lord gave me on manna. And we're going to look at Exodus 16 in verse 4. It said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you. This is the story. And the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them. Now, I want you to say, Test them, because we'll get back to that. I'm going to get, tell them only a certain amount. And I'm going to test them whether they will walk in my law or not. That's the obedience. (laughs) So hard sometimes to trust God, isn't it? So hard sometimes to be faithful to him. But he said, I'm going to test them. Will they trust me that I am their sustainer? Will they trust me that I am their God when they don't know where anything else is coming from? Will they trust me? And in verse 16, here's the test. This is the thing which the Lord commanded let every man gather it according to one's need. Every man take one Omer, and I'll say Omer. Take one Omer for each person, according to the number of persons, let each man take for those who are in his tent. So every day, go out, every person take your portion of Omer, eat it for that day, and then make sure you throw it away. Don't save it. Now, how many know the children of Israel are always obedient? They always <laughs> listened to God. They had a fear of God. They trusted God. In verse 19, and Moses said, let no one leave any of it till morning. Notwithstanding, of course, they did not heed Moses, but some of them le- left part of it until morning. And what happened? It bred worms and it stank. Why? Because they probably were afraid. They probably, is God really going to show up for us tomorrow? So just in case he's not, I'm going to step out and hoard for myself and make me and my family comfortable. So you got this instruction, right? Told them what to do. Don't, Don't save it for the next day. I want you to devour what I've given you and then trust me for the next day. Then I went to verse 32, and God seemed to give a different instruction. And that kind of surprised me, so I dug into it a little bit says in verse 32, then Moses said, this is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Fill an omer, say omer, omer. Omer. It's the same omer they took up every day. Now he's saying, take an omer with it, the manna, to be kept for your generations. That they may see the bread which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. So he's saying, I've sustained you with the omer every day. Now I want you to take that omer and I want you to put it in a jar of gold and present it to me. Moses said to Aaron, I'll take a pot and put an omer of manna in it and lay it up before the Lord to be kept for your generations. Now I want you to see something here. God knows that the next generation has to know his miracle sustaining power. Because they won't know the story of by faith. They won't know the story of the Omar in the day or they'll, they'll know about it, but they won't experience it. So he said, I want you to take this and I want you to set it apart for the next generations and generations to come. God cares about his church for every generation that's to follow. So he said, take this Omar, and I need you to give it to me. And he said, and and let's go on. I'm so excited. He said, I want you to keep it for your generation. Verse 34, and the Lord commanded Moses. So Aaron laid it before the testimony. Where's that? His house, the tabernacle. He said, bring the Omar to my house to be kept. Now, the word kept there means I'm going to guard it. He'll watch it. He'll preserve it, and he has an obligation to that omar that's been presented to the next generations. So powerful. So I'm looking at this, and I'm like, what is an omar? Like, why is that so important? Keep going. Okay, verse 35. They, they did the thing. They dedicated it to God's house. It's going to be kept for generations to come. Verse 35. And the children of Israel ate manna for 40 years. Until they came to an inhabited land, they ate manna. Until they came to the border of the land of Canaan. Don't put the next verse up, Canaan. So I asked the Lord, "What is an Omar?" You ever just read something in the Bible, you're like, "What is that?" I looked up the word Omar, and then it was confirmed in the next verse. It says this, verse thirty-six. Now Omar is one tenth of an ephah. What? What is the Omar? It's the tithe. And God said, I sustained you on a tithe. I was faithful to you on a tithe. And I don't want you to hoard up for yourself what belongs to me. Hey, this is God's word, y'all should be shouting. Because I know we shouldn't talk about money in church and God's like, nah, money belongs in my house because without a church, the generations won't know that I am God. Why do you think the devil tries to shut down the church? Why do you think the government hates the church? Because we are the legacy of God's bride not about money yeah preachers have ruined it they they got all these I know houses and cars but I'm telling you this church is about building the kingdom of God and without resources the church will dry up and it will die and God said put in the most sacred thing my ark of the covenant put in my presence in my house a part of my worship a part of my obedience A part of my miracles requires the tithe. I called my parents. I said, I screamed when I saw this, and I shoved away from my desk. I was like, God, you want the tithe in your house, in your presence. Why? My last point, because the the manna is the tithe for the future generations. The jar of manna never died, it never spoiled, it never ran out. When you give it to God's house, God will keep it, God will guard it, God will preserve it because it's for his house. How many are thankful that you can give with that in mind? And God's like, whoa, 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 look, you made it off 10%. Now I'm saying all I want is 10%, what I originally gave you, and the rest is all yours. But we've gotten it backwards in God's house. I've gotten such a revelation on this because... I've only been lead pastoring for seven years, at going on seven, and I hate talking about money. I'm like, God, you provide, but if I'm as passionate about your marriage and salvation and healing, when God's word says you are blessed when you tithe, you open up the windows of heaven when you tithe, your children, listen, will serve God because you tithe, your grandchildren will serve Jesus because you tithe. That's why you got to know your rod can dry up the lack of money you have in your life. That's why you need to know your authority, that you're blessed and you're favored and you're promoted because of the rod of God that's in your hands. God will give you the best job. God will give you the resources. If you say, I will build the kingdom of God first, then I will build my house. Remember when when he said in verse 4, test him? What does Malachi say? Yeah. Test me and see. That's it. That's it. He said, Test me. It's right there in Scripture. This is a message of liberty and freedom. And we've got to get a heart for God's house and resources. Yeah. Amen. Right. What belongs in God's house? That last slide, his presence belongs in his house. True worship. True worship. He wants obedience back to his house and loyalty to him. He wants supernatural miracles and wonders. And he wants giving brought back to his house. I will be 100% transparent with you. I did not prepare this message because we are receiving a special offering. I didn't. God said four things in my house I want. And it wasn't till I got to this one that the Lord showed me the giving. So I'm, I'm stepping out with great faith. All of you should have received a card, and I'm going to ask you to take this. Take it home and pray over it. If you're married, pray together. Get a word from God. Listen, if your heart for the house is you're going to start tithing, put it on there. I'm going to start tithing by faith. And if you need a revelation of giving, you have to catch it. I know one message doesn't really always do it, but go get the word of God on tithing. Let that be your aim and your target. My house will be blessed because I'm going to get the revelation of giving my one-tenth back to God. Because it's his anyway. Maybe you want to plant a significant seed in the house of God. I don't know. You talk to the Lord. You can give one big one, multiple ones throughout the year, monthly. I don't don't care. You just talk to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And I want all of us in some way to participate in this offering for God's house. Because it is time for faith builders to be pushed into its purpose. We're going to be setting up two services and three services. We have a city to reach for Jesus, and we don't have time to wonder about where we're going to be able to get the resources from. Amen. And we're going to show a video of lives that were touched and changed this last year. Our bulbs, I've had so many testimonies that don't even come to our church that marriages have been put back together. I've had the phone calls. I've heard people come back to Jesus. Some of y'all are back to church because your name's on a bulb back there somewhere, Just, just so you know. I didn't put it there. Somebody you love put it there. And there's many more coming because of that. Amen. We need God's house to be sustained. So real quick, the last Sunday of this month, we're going to receive your cards in whatever way. And we're going to do a prayer tunnel. And we're going to ask you to do a few things. Bring your cards. When you're ready to bring them that sunday some have given them sooner but that's okay we want you to bring your family members we did this last year it's a new tradition i want to do your pictures of your family members and we want you to bring maybe a bill or a wallet that's going to signify the blessings for your house because my heart for, heart for the house is that if you take care of God's house, he'll take care of yours. So we want to come into agreement with your house. You need a wonder. Come on. You need a miracle. We want to stand in faith for your house, that you will be blessed, that you will have the miracle that you need in your home. So let's do that on the 28th, and we'll get more information to you. Today what we're going to do, you should have received a red heart. And what I want you to do, we also have the Heart for the House building that's in the courtyard. Um, Matthias built that for us. What an incredible job he did. Can we give him a great big thank you for that? Not only did he do it, but he did it overnight for me, just so you know. He drove all the way back from New Mexico to do that for this house, and I am so thankful. And now I need to feed him, because apparently he wants to come to my house. They want to come up for dinner. <laughs> I'm going to have you over for dinner after the fast. You guys will come on over. But what we're going to do today as we close, because we have just a couple minutes, because this means a lot to me. We did the bulbs last year. We're going to do the hearts at least for the next few weeks. I want you right now to write on your heart what wonder you need for your family. What miracle do you need? What are you looking for? Go ahead and start writing right now. If you don't have a heart, who needs a heart? Uh, If we could get the ushers to swing through really quickly. Because what we're going to do is we're going to worship, close in worship, and you're gonna bring your hearts to the altar. So, just one second. Is somebody grabbing those hearts. There we go. Thank you. I don't know where our team is, but thank you, thank you, thank you. And you guys can start writing right now. It's private. Don't put your names on it. What miracle do you really? That, I'm talking. Listen, guys. Wonder, the rod-eating rod miracle. That's what I want you to put on your family. What are you looking for? That should be a T-shirt, right? Rod-eating rod miracle. And what we're going to do is, um, in just a minute, I'll have you stand, and you're going to bring your hearts and just place them on the altar, briefly pray over them, your whole family come forward, go back and be seated, and then our prayer teams and pastors and elders are going to come. We're going to pray over them, and then we're going to start praying over your home every day in your miracle. And then, of course, on the house out there, there's markers. You can please write your prayers on on the house. We want to see those prayers on, on the house that's out there also. Are we good? Yes. All right. And I know as families, you'll probably share one heart, and that's okay. If, if the spouses have an opposite one. Teenagers, I want you to get in on this, so make sure you have your... Okay, thank you. I want all the young... I want everybody. Everybody needs something from God this year. Everybody needs something heart for your house. Because I know when you're blessed, church is blessed. Amen? When your marriage is good, the church is good. Because your first church is your home. Amen? So... I guess I'll have everybody stand when you're done writing. Let's take a minute. I allotted some time for this to happen. Take your cards home. Pray over them. I'm pretty sure the Lord will not say nothing, but he'll probably say something. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's just pray. Give everybody a second to keep writing. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this moment in your house. God, we, we know you love your bride, and we honor your house. We honor your bride, God. And I thank you for every person here this morning, God, that really needs a miracle in their home, in their life, in their marriage, their finances, with their children, God. And Lord, as a church, we come together because we care about their home, God. We care about their family, their needs, their dark places, God. And Lord, I know if I care so much, how much more you care for your people, And God, as we write on these hearts today and we lay them at the altar, we're gonna stand in faith and we're gonna trust you, God, and we're gonna lay it down at your feet for every miracle, supernatural, just like the almond blessing. God, things will begin to happen suddenly, quickly powerful children are going to come home father god joy in their life is coming back healing is breaking forth in their bodies god that something supernatural is going to happen because of their faith that they're connecting to right now and father we thank you and praise you in jesus name and at your leisure just begin to make your way try not to bump each other run over but pray a little second lay it there thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Every house, God, every miracle, every need, God. We thank you for supernatural release, God. Supernatural visitations from your spirit, God. Supernatural breakthrough, Father God. Joy coming back to them. Laughter coming to their household. Marriages coming together, Father God. We thank you, Jesus, that you care about every one of these needs. Thank you, Father God. Every home, every family, every breakthrough, God. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that this is their year of miracles. This is their year of breakthrough. This is the year of their harvest. This is the year in the name of Jesus that, God, what the enemy meant for evil, you're going to reroute it for good in the name of Jesus. Supernatural overflow, supernatural joy. Harvest in this house. We decree, God, that people will come from the north, south, east, and west, and this house will be flooded with those who are going to lay their lives down, God. In the name of Jesus, healings and salvation, a great revival, a great awakening. We praise you, God, that this church is called for such a time as this, this moment of heavenly blessings in the name of Jesus. Oh, rakata Give everyone a chance to write something on, the, on a heart. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. I just see fresh revelation coming to you. I see God's Word opening up to you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just see you're going to have ears to hear what the Spirit has to say. God's going to give you fresh revelation. We have a few more days of fasting. I just hear the Lord say, challenge your flesh, crucify your flesh, step into these next few days and let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord give you revelation. Get your notebooks out. Begin to hear a fresh manna from heaven, a fresh revelation from the presence of God. New days are ahead for you. And we thank you. We praise you. I'm going to have all the pastors and elders go ahead and make your way. Maybe we can slide some of the hearts. Just begin to pray. Over, and prayer partners, just begin to lay hands on all these prayers. Extend your faith to these prayers in the name of Jesus. God, we thank you for every household, every household, every home, every child, the blessings in favor of God. Salvation come. Prodigal sons and daughters to come home. Addictions to be broken in the name of Jesus. Salvation in the house of the Lord. We thank you Father God oh in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus fear abandonment to be broken healed of healing hearts God healing sadness healing brokenness Father God in the name of Jesus in the name I just feel such a strong anointing hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus Lord, we will not rest until every home has their breakthrough, every miracle in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you, praise you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you for the heart for the house. It is your house. It is your heart, God. And Lord, as we come for this special offering, I think that you'll speak to every home, even teenagers. I hear the Lord say, young people, God says, give something to his house. Fill out that card. Trust the Lord. You're never too young to learn how to give to God's house. And God, we thank you that this church is called and appointed for such a time as this. Just lift your hands. This church is yours. This church has always been yours, God. It is set up for your will and your purpose. And God, we decree expansion and growth, that the harvest will come in, in the name of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, this church will be the hospital place and the healing place that you've always called it to be. And we thank you for what you are doing. We thank you for what you are doing in the precious name of Jesus We pray, everyone said, amen. Give the Lord a great big shout. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. How many have an excitement, expectancy in you? I do. I didn't get to put mine down there, but I will later. So listen, go right on the house. Wednesday night's our last corporate prayer. We've had a wonderful time praying together. So come out Wednesday night, one hour, 7 p.m. Otherwise, bring a friend, and we'll see you next Sunday, everybody. Love you all. God bless you.